0: Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And
1: now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 242. And today in the show, we are back with another episode of our Rut Radio mini series, in which we're getting from the field reports from deer hunters all across the country about current conditions, deer activity, the progress of the whitetail rut, and everything you need to know to have success right now. Alright, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx, and we're back for our weekly rut radio miniseries in which we are Hearing from experts all across the country about the latest in the whitetail world, what kind of action is happening right now, how the conditions are impacting deer and deer activity, how other changing variables in the future might impact things down the road, and all of that's done by way of the interviewing skills of my buddy Spencer Newharth. How are you, man? I'm doing good, and I am feeling
2: especially optimistic because on Monday night, I saw a certain
1: deer would this certain deer be named after a forced gump character
2: yes yes
1: at 200 yards
2: on monday night i had lieutenant dan and i was hunting the property where uh, i've been catching him movement m- catching him moving basically since july i was in the stand that i was trying to kill him out of in early september and i hadn't seen him much since then. But that evening I saw him get out of his bed, which was about four hundred yards away, and from where I kicked him out of his bed back at the end of August, he was only bedded maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty yards from there, so he hadn't moved too much. Um but what I do know about him is that he has kind of changed his food pattern. Previously, in the summer and in early, early September, he was hanging out with my soybeans a lot but now he is obviously focused on some natural browse as well as an alfalfa field on the neighbor's property.
1: Um on a scale of 1 to 10, Spencer, how freaking stoked were you when you finally saw that deer? I got to believe that was exciting. Uh, it was pretty excited.
2: Uh, it, and it's really like one of the biggest bucks that I've seen on the hoof. I, I suspect him to be in the 150s or 160s um, And so I was really excited. If I didn't even know this deer existed, I'd have been stoked. Now, something that has me a little bit concerned is he was bedding, and it appeared that he was feeding on the neighbor's property. Now, I can get sort of close to his bedding um, on, on my property still, but... Right now, uh, I'm not sure in this next week or so that it's going to happen with him because he's probably not going to change much of what he's doing. But once we get into that late October, early November, he starts getting a little more restless. He would maybe be more vulnerable to some calling. Uh, I think I could get a shot at him some morning.
1: That is awesome. Now, I know we're going to hear from a lot of folks here shortly about what's been happening the last four, five, six days, which has been this, this cold front that moved through for a lot of people. Do you attribute this sighting and the activity that you saw in South Dakota, would you attribute it to this change in weather?
2: Um, I, I'm not sure about that because North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, we've been kind of unique in that we've been cold for a long time. Or prior to that cold front showing up, we had already been cold for like five days. And so uh, I'm not sure what I would attribute that sighting to. I actually saw a lot of deer that evening. And I think one of the big things is that those deer had remained unpressured. Something we'll talk about a little bit later here in the episode uh, is precipitation, but to, for me to get to this property, uh, I have to travel a long ways down a no maintenance dirt road, and so I hadn't been back there in a long time. I know the neighbors have not been hunting in a long time, and so those deer are just largely unpressured
1: right now. It's a nice. That's uh, a nice thing to have. That's that's going to bode well for you hopefully for the next week or two i mean i would you agree that probably the pressure won't ramp up around you until more of that rut time period yeah and and
2: even then the archery pressure is still
1: fairly low but once we hit firearm season in mid-november
2: that's when the the deer are more likely to you know look up in trees and, and that kind of thing
1: gotcha so south dakota you saw a lot of activity what what number would you stick on it it was good. I would put
2: it like a seven or eight and, you know, really optimistic for this time of year. If you have a food source, if you can focus on something that's a a natural browse right now, it seems like the deer are up and moving, uh, but still haven't gone back to that big egg quite yet.
1: Man, I'll tell you what, I am being tempted. I'm being so tempted to hunt the Holyfield property with this weather right now. Um, the, the activity around us in Michigan has been really good. I guess skipping ahead here a little bit to my report, if, if you don't mind. Um, here in Michigan, it's been pretty darn good for most people. And, um, you know, it looks really great the next few days, too. Really, really high pressure and cold temperatures, you know, 10 or more degrees below average for this time of year. Very high pressure days coming up here. Uh, like tomorrow, I think it's going to be lights out um, and moving into the weekend still, too. And I, one was this, this would have been Friday night, our buddy uh, Andy May, who I, either you've met or at least you've you've, you've heard him on the podcast probably. But my buddy Andy May, he shot just a, a mega Michigan buck um, on that second day of the cold front. And then over the weekend, I think it was Sunday, another one of my friends who's also my taxidermist, he shot a huge eight-pointer, again, on one of these couple of days after the cold front. Um, and I've just been seeing, you know, just been seen lighting up on social media, a lot of deer hitting the ground. A lot of people are seeing great activity. Um, I can't remember which night this was some night this weekend, maybe Sunday night. Um, I was out watching the Holyfield property and I saw a buck I call survivor. He's this deer that last year was a three and a half year old. And because I was targeting Holyfield, I said, all right, this buck is the buck I really want to make it to next year because he'd be awesome to see as a 4-year-old. And at that point, I was hoping I was going to kill Holyfield that year and then Survivor would be the buck I could chase in 2018. Um, Well, Survivor didn't make it. He survived 17. He's alive now. And last night, whatever night this was, Sunday night or Saturday night or um, whichever, That was the first time I saw him move in daylight this year, and that was cool. Got some really good footage of him with the spotting scope. He was feeding in this brassica and oats food plot that I had planted out there, and he was moving probably 45 minutes before dark, just feeding. He wasn't nosing around does or anything. He was just hanging out. Um, So that was exciting to see. Now, I don't know 100% sure what I want to do with that deer yet, because I'm still holding out hope, you know, that Holyfield might be alive. So for now, I'm not targeting Survivor, but it was encouraging to see a four and a half year old deer. Any other year, probably a four and a half year old would be the best deer I have to hunt in Michigan, and I would be getting after him. I probably would have hunted the next day after him in that case, but because I'm playing it safe, thinking about Holyfield, I haven't done that. But gosh, with this weather, it's very tempting. I've got I've got a really good wind direction to go and hunt that stand where where Survivor was a couple of days ago tomorrow 30.45 almost 30.5 as far as barometric pressure in the 40s which is like 10 12 13 degrees below average around now i mean that's the kind of situation that usually i'd be jumping on so i'm kind of getting antsy pantsy over here i don't know what to do spencer
2: (laughs) yeah well i want to reiterate um that This last weekend, there were a ton of big deer that hit the ground, and like we talked about on last week's episode of Route Radio, uh, people were optimistic, probably the most optimistic episode that we had had yet, so uh, as we expected... You know, a, a lot of deer got shot over the weekend, and, and that was exciting to see. And this week's episode, um, it, it maybe leveled off a little bit, and it is more of the, the kind of things that you would hear for mid-October. Uh, it is still largely weather-dependent on how confident people are. And who we talked to this week, we have Todd Pringnitz from White Knuckle Productions in Iowa, and then Clay Force from Stewart Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma. That in West Virginia from 304 Outdoors is Trey Kearns. And then from Deer Hunter Podcast in Michigan is Kevin Vistasen.
1: Sounds like some good stuff. I'll be interested to hear what what everyone's seeing and thinking. I know uh, I saw on Facebook that Todd Pringnitz's buddy, Tyler, killed an absolute jaw dropper in Iowa. Um, Does he talk about that at all? Uh, he, he did bring it up. Uh, he had
2: you know a few takeaways from that hunt, and that was another one of those deer over the weekend that uh, you know confirmed that what everyone was saying last week on the episode was accurate. There were going to be a lot of whitetails killed.
1: So, so I think what we have here is a perfect case study of, of how uh, accurate and helpful rut radio can be because what everyone was saying last week ended up happening and if you took advantage of those uh ideas and thoughts maybe you had some success too like the folks that we're going to hear about today so uh I'm going to I'm going to toot our own horn here Spencer good job to us
2: <laughs> that's right that's right and and one final thing I want to bring up before we get into the interviews is that uh you know last year we did kind of a year in review and the subject for October was acorns every call every episode people were talking about the, the huge amount of acorns that were in the woods. Well, this year it hasn't been so much uh, about acorns. Uh, you know, people have talked about it, but not to the level of 2017. But but a big theme that uh, you'll hear a lot on this episode about and in previous episodes is the rain. Much of the Midwest and the, the Great Plains has gotten... a unusual amount of precipitation over these last few weeks. And like where I'm at in South Dakota, for example, we've had some record breaking days for like 24 hour rainfall. And I think that is an important subject for whitetail hunting uh, on a number of, for a number of different reasons. Um, one of them being is just that large amount of standing water. If you hunt someplace, that's like a horseshoe in a river. Uh, I have a couple properties like that, that I, that I like to check out. Um, That almost creates a barrier, a place where deer would naturally be able to cross in the fall. It's now almost like a high fence that unless they're absolutely forced to cross that river due to a predator or something, they're just not going to. And so, you know, the high water has kind of changed deer movement, I would say. Another thing is with acorns on the ground, if you get a lot of this rain, uh, you know, some standing water is soggy. Soil can promote fungus growth in the acorns, and that can make acorns rot faster. So, you know, we're losing some of those natural food sources. And then the biggest thing, I think, is that this will definitely slow down harvest. Uh, You know, in in my area of South Dakota, it looked like beans were going to be out, you know, over 10 days ago or so. But we got all this rain, and that's going to delay things almost until November, possibly. And so the food sources are going to look differently this year
1: than they did last year for sure. And a big part of that is precipitation. Yeah, that's a great point. I'll add one more thing on precipitation because every year when we get a spell of a lot of rain, I get all sorts of emails or Facebook messages saying, what do you think about hunting in the rain? Is it a good idea? What's the activity like? Blah, blah, blah. And so I just want to give like my 30 second cliff notes thoughts on hunting in precipitation. I tend to like it quite a bit, especially in states like Michigan, where there's a lot of Hunting pressure for whatever reason, it seems like compared to some other guys I hear that hunt, like, like Dan, when he tells me about Iowa, he's like, ah, I don't really care for those rainy days. But when I see a rainy day in Michigan, I'm almost always in the tree. And those mature bucks that you never see moving in the daylight. Otherwise, so consistently here in Michigan on those cruddy days, that's like the first time or the only time I see him on their feet. So something to think about now, if it's like a torrential hurricane downpour, no, but if it's like a light drizzle, those days can be money or even if you do have a heavy rain if you're out in the tree stand during that heavy rain and it stops as soon as it stops those deer will be on their feet and moving around you want to be in the tree then you don't want to be walking in or you don't want to be sitting on your couch because for an hour of the night it was raining so I'd recommend hunting on those rainy days but Be careful about the implications of that. So obviously if it's raining a lot, you have concerns around a blood trail. So be really, really careful with your shot selection. Be really smart about how you're going to approach that. And and something I'd highly recommend if you're going to hunt in the rain is try to make sure that you have or look into options as far as having a tracking dog. We had a situation this past Friday night. My buddy Andy, as I mentioned, shot this buck and it started raining right after he shot the deer and he was concerned about it washing away the blood. So he gave me a call, and I've got another friend who has a tracking dog who I've had come out and track deer with me, and, and I kind of, we kind of helped train him on some of my deer, and he runs them on all sorts of other folks that shoot deer around here, and this dog's great. We went out there, and it was a lot of rain, really hard to find blood, and probably would have not found blood, maybe wouldn't have found the deer without a ton of grid searching in this area. But because we brought that dog out, within less than 10 minutes of getting out there, we were at Andy's deer, which was more than 200 yards away, probably from where he shot in very, very thick, like CRP grass. Like you would have never seen this thing. Probably that dog got right on it. Even though the rain had washed almost everything away, these dogs can get on that smell. So that's something to think about. If you are going to hunt in rain, blood trailing can be more difficult. So make sure you've got a dog handy if possible, uh, that can make sure that, you know, of course you got to really prioritize and make sure you can recover that deer. And, um, having a tracking dog is, is a great way to ensure that. Yeah, man.
2: All great points, but uh, Mark, I'm going to cut us off. We have blown way past our normal five-minute conversation, so let's get to our first caller.
1: Is your heart beating really (laughs) fast? Is your stomach grumbling? Are you uncomfortable that I'm making this go so long? (laughs) Yeah, we are beyond the
2: 30-minute episode, so let's, uh,
1: let's get to the first caller. All right.
2: Before we get to our first update, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Justin Mason, a land specialist out of Kentucky. And Justin is going to be telling us about what government programs are available to help landowners generate additional income on their property.
0: Uh, So I think, you know, the the number one thing to remember is on your hunting property, as long as you own it, there are programs that you could be eligible for. Um, I kind of break them down into a couple of categories. There are one-time enrollment programs uh, like the wetland reserve program, you enroll the program one time, it pays up front. And then that, you know, that program is established for a lot of times the lifetime of the property. The most common would be uh, those annual payment programs like CRP. Um, It's short for conservation reserve program. And really what CRP does is it pays the landowner not to farm the property. So it goes into either some sort of, um, annual program with either trees, you either plant some trees or a lot of it is, uh, kind of a cool season grass, which when you're hunting those Midwest States and you see those CRP fields, that's, that's what a lot of those are enrolled in. Um, so those are probably the most common types of government programs.
2: If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Justin currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Mason. That's M-A-S-O-N. All right, and joining me on the line first is Todd Pregnant from White Knuckle Productions in Iowa. Now, Todd, in Iowa, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: On a scale of 1 to 10, probably about a 2 or 3 in the last two weeks. It's been pretty slow. Um, What we basically do this time of year is watch the weather fronts. And yesterday was the first real kill day that we've seen here in Iowa. And actually, one of my good buddies uh, knocked down a big, big buck last night just through the community and group of guys that um, I hang out with, everybody's been kind of saying the same thing on their trail cameras, that bucks have just disappeared the last couple of weeks. And I don't think it has anything to do with hunting pressure. I think it has more do more with food sources. Uh, They have been on the acorns hot and heavy and a combination of that with a lot of standing crops still, not a lot of farmers have gotten their, their food out just because the weather has been so wet down here. So I think a combination of several factors have really restricted the movement, but Boy, when you get that one cold front come in like we did yesterday, it absolutely changed everything. And of course, my buddy got a crack at one of these bucks that hadn't shown up on a camera in a couple weeks. So this is the time of year you really got to watch the weather.
2: Are there any takeaways that you had from your buddy uh, getting that big buck on the ground?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It was actually uh, kind of an interesting um, when when he was uh, when he finished gutting the deer. I I asked him, "Let's cut up the stomach. I want to see what what this buck's been feeding on." And it was a big dandy buck, and um, it was very interesting. I, I I find it fascinating to see what these animals eat. But the the one thing that really uh, was a surprise to me was there was quite a few acorns inside of its belly that literally hadn't been chewed. He was swallowing the thing whole, which I honestly didn't know white did. I've I've watched so many deer over the years sit and crunch on acorns, and you find it amazing that they can get the nuts out of the <laughs> out of the shells. But this sucker had. All sorts of big acorns inside of its belly, uh, as well as tons and tons of green brows, which is very normal. Usually their belly contents are at least 30 to 50% green brows. And then he also had quite a few corn kernels in there as well. So kind of a mix of a variety of different foods, but, but that weather front really, really put everything on their feet. Uh, I was out hunting and filming with a different friend of mine. We saw some nice deer moving last night, but before yesterday, it was almost like a week of just not even worth going out
2: we're recording this on October 16th and you said you suspect the buck movement is a two or three right now. Um, on yeah. years past in mid October, is it typically that poor in your area?
3: Yes, generally. And and each year is print based on when they get the crops out. Some years the crops are all out by now, other years that's in the, into November. But usually we hunt the front um, and I'm just looking at like the next five days, for example, and, they're pretty mild temperatures, uh, 61, 65, 54, 60, and 64. So my five-day goal, I would hunt that one afternoon, Thursday, which is uh, October 18th. There's going to be a small front coming in. And it's not it's not a significant front, but that would be a spot I'd move into one of my easy-to-access areas, uh, possibly a green food plot or a field edge. Uh, and that's the type of hunting I'm doing this time of year. I just I don't want to get into my my bedding areas or any of my thick cover uh because it's just too early to generally catch those big ones moving much
2: so with all that standing corn yet and and other crops available do you suspect a lot of bucks have not fully transitioned to their fall range then uh like a a lot of the deer that you're going to be targeting come november are, are they bedding and feeding in the areas that they will be a few weeks from now
3: Um, some will just start moving in now. And, uh, last year, for example, I killed a a beautiful, but a 190 class, uh, typical 10. And I never had a single trail camera picture of that buck until October. It was the 14th or 16th. Um, and I mean, honestly, in the last 24 hours, I've gotten a bunch of texts from buddies who literally said, man, all of a sudden deer are just starting to show up again. But there is, people call it the October lull. The deer are always moving around, but the hard part is, for a lot of guys, myself included, access on farms is dramatically reduced when all these staying food, crops are out. I mean, you just can't get into the areas unless you're going along the field edges. Um, in certain cases, you just can't get into certain areas. And so for my, my situation, my experience, what I've seen over the years, this is the time of year where I like to be patient, watch my cameras and let the cameras dictate my next move because there's been years past where I was hunting a, a, big eight-year-old uh four or five years ago and all of a sudden on october 1st i got pictures of him he had moved into the area and i went right after him uh, i ended, i didn't end up killing him back later in the season but i really do trust material cameras and that's the the one thing we do have going for us uh today that we you know before you really had to hunt in order to get that intel but now the cameras just help you so much i try to be very patient this time of year because i think more often than not, guys ruin their opportunities for later in the season this time of year because they're just they just want to get out in a tree. You know, they're just dying to hunt.
2: Did you expect in mid October like this that the woods would be lit up with sign making right now. Is that something that you're seeing in Iowa?
3: Um, a little bit, but again, I'm not getting into my sec- my deep deep dark secret areas not until around Halloween and then obviously into November. But anywhere near a Bucks core area will be torn up right now they're starting to get build up their neck muscles their testosterone's growing by the day and they're getting more and more riled up so this is definitely an area or a time of year where if you if you are in the timber and come across a lot of concentrated sign an aggressive sign set up your stand right now (laughs) like that is the best indicator that he is very close by because if they're just not moving very far but they do move every day. I mean, they're up feeding, doing their thing. It's just a smaller, a smaller area than when the rut hits. Then they're, they're generally just putting on more miles looking for does. But most of the bucks here in my local area, I hunt in the doe bedding areas and most of the big dominant bucks, they don't even show up and start hanging out in those areas until right about Halloween. I mean, they have, they know when the does come into heat, they don't waste any time, energy, um, out chasing them around grunting and, and doing the things that immature bucks do until they know that the does are getting very, very close.
2: Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Iowa?
3: Probably a five. Um, I would just be looking at the front. I, I, I would honestly be hunting the fronts and based on trail camera pictures. Um, it, your buck activity, the younger bucks will start becoming more and more active daily basically the two three four five year old animals but the big dominant bucks that i'm chasing the old ones they just don't move that much until very very close to the rut and my rule of thumb is really halloween the 31st of october is is really when things start to magically change in the in the big dominant deer but um this is the time of year i think again you gotta hunt smart and plan for later in october unless you're you're Trail cameras are telling you different, and I really do. That's pretty much the make or break this time of year is if, if deer are showing up on trail cameras during daylight uh, or just after dark because then that gives you a very good idea where they're where they're bedded based on the time of pictures that you're getting of these deer.
2: Well, Todd, it seems like every season you kill a giant buck. I'm sure this year will be no different. So good luck this year, and thanks for joining me.
3: Well, thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity, and I just want to wish everybody out there Uh, The best of luck and wear your harness, use lifelines, and be safe out there, guys.
2: All right, and joining me on the line next is Clay Forrest from Stewart Ranch Outfitters in Oklahoma. Now, Clay, in Oklahoma, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
4: Uh, From what I've been seeing based on camera and based on just getting around, uh, buck activity is high. I think I'd probably put it around a a 6 to a 7 right now
2: is that typical for mid-October for you guys to have around a six or seven for buck movement?
4: Um, Honestly, no, I think typically it's a little less than that. Uh, We're having some, at least for Oklahoma standards, uh, extreme uh, weather shifts. Uh, We're in the mid forties right now. And I think that's kind of attributing to bucks being on their feet a little more. Typically it's still highs in the upper seventies, low eighties kind of thing. And so, Typically, this is kind of that October lull, uh, so to speak, time, of, time frame. So I think with this weather, uh, the rain that we've been having, uh, crops are up a little more than typically they usually are this time of year. I think that's kind of all uh, attributing to a higher buck activity for this year.
2: The story in much of the Midwest and the Great Plains has been rain over these last few weeks. Is that something that's affected you guys in Oklahoma as well?
4: Uh, yes, sir. Yeah. We've had, uh, depending on where you're at on the ranch, somewhere between 14 and about 18 inches of rain in the last two weeks. Um, I don't think it's affected the deer, uh, negatively. Um, or at least what I've been seeing a lot of our creeks are up and just as far as us getting around to check things, it's affected that. But as far as deer movement and deer being out and about, um, I don't think it's affected it negatively in, in any, any aspect right now.
2: What are you seeing for sign making in the woods
4: I think, I think bucks
2: are, it's
4: about 50, 50 here on the ranch right now. Uh, I'm still seeing deer bachelored up, still moving in groups, but I'm also seeing deer or groups starting to break up a lot more scrape activity and and starting that seeking phase a little bit um, as far as this time of year. So I think for right now we're about a 50, 50 split and the weather's supposed to stay consistent. So I see bucks really starting to hit scrapes, really starting to start, moving toward that rut time frame uh here in the next couple weeks which should really shape up pretty well because uh we've got muzzleloader season coming up here in about a week and uh so it really should shape up for a good season for
2: us with that muzzleloader opener happening at the end of october what are the conditions that would be ideal for you when it comes to weather or moon phases or crop status
4: uh right now if we could keep this consistent weather pattern where our highs are in the mid 60s lows are in that mid to upper 40s low 50s uh and if i haven't checked the moon phase calendar or anything but if we could get that rising moon late in the afternoon it would be about as prime conditions as we've had for muzzleloader opener in the last probably two to three years uh weather it seems like the last couple of years we still have had highs in the 80s and uh we've had some success but i'm really optimistic on this year just due with the weather the way it's playing into this opener uh i think we should have a, a high success rate with our hunters coming in
2: and around that muzzleloader opener would you be using any calling techniques uh rattling grunting snore anything like that
4: yes yeah, sir our deer tend to tend to be a little more vocal uh or at least From what i've been seeing on the ranch and i always recommend our guys to bring a grunt to bring their horns uh it can't hurt anything and i think with these deer starting to break up and starting to kind of establish that pecking order making uh, a grunt or hitting the horns is always beneficial to our hunters
2: going forward then (laughs) this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in oklahoma
4: um, I would keep it around that seven mark. Um, I don't want to go too much higher than that. I think with the weather, I think with everything kind of shaping up, uh, with a kind of a pre, a little bit of a pre rut seeking check and scrape phase, I think seven's a pretty solid number for uh, the next week or so in Oklahoma.
2: All right, Clay. Well, good luck to you and your hunters in camp. Thanks for joining me.
4: All right. Appreciate it, Spencer.
2: All right. And joining me on the line next is Trey Kearns from 304 Outdoors in West Virginia. Now Trey in West Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten?
5: I'd say the buck activity's been around a four or five, uh, Spencer. It's uh, you know it's not been you know super shut down, but um, I've seen a lot of smaller bucks uh, moving around the area, and I feel like a lot of those bigger bucks have really been keening on um, scrape activity, uh, but uh, a little bit of pre-rut action I feel like with this cold front coming in has really been getting the bucks on their feet.
2: Are you seeing a lot of scrapes in the woods End. You mentioned that mature bucks are checking them but are you finding a lot of sign making in general?
5: Yeah actually I've you know, uh, seen a lot of uh, scrapes pop up um, throughout the property that we've been hunting and then also you know scrapes that you know have been there since last year are really starting to heat up right now and uh, definitely starting to keen on those and move some trail cameras around to try to locate where those big bucks are hitting those in the daylight hours.
2: seems like a lot of hunters in your area are focused on acorns right now. How about you guys at 304 Outdoors? What food sources are you interested in this time of year?
5: Yeah, definitely definitely, uh, acorns right now. Um, We try to establish um, acorns, uh, have a overlying factor, uh, on our deer movement and we've had a huge, uh, mass production this year. So I feel like that's, you know, definitely a good spot to see, you know, a lot of deer, um, throughout the day whenever you're sitting. So there's never, you know, there's never a bad option of, you know, going and sitting on an acorn flat throughout the day.
2: How about as we get into November or is your focus for food sources going to be the same and, and staying with acorns or will you start looking to something else?
5: No, I wouldn't say staying for acorns. I I think, you know, first of November, um, a lot of our properties, uh, and properties that I hunt, my deer start to transition, um, into the, you know, thicker cover, um, and then definitely start hitting, uh, some green forage as far as, you know, uh, our fall plots that we've, we've had established uh, turnips, uh, winter wheat, et cetera. And, um, I really feel like, you know, deer, uh, mature deer, um, you know, three-, four-, five-year-old deer are really starting to get on their feet as far as, you know, pushing does around. And I I feel like a food source, you know, is good for does. But as far as, you know, just, you know, trying to hold those deer down, I think these deer are really starting to target thickets come come the 1st of November and really start to pin these deer down um, within that area. And that's where we see a lot of the movement um, in our area uh, around the 1st of November
2: some of the hunters though at 304 outdoors uh, have found some success here in mid October what have those setups been like
5: yeah those um those successful setups that we've had thus far um, in the month of October it's you know it's always a slow month for us around this area but um we've mainly just been focusing on getting as close as possible to those bedding areas that we believe that these deer uh, bedding areas um, that they're you know bedding in and then moving towards those food sources right at last light. And that's where we've had our success this year is in the evenings and having those big bucks that are mature moving from those bedding areas right at last light to those food sources. And I think that's that's where we've really made our money this year so far.
2: How about calling? Have you started hitting the rattling antlers together yet or are you carrying your grunt tube with?
5: I I've, I've carried my stuff with me. I have not hit anything yet. Uh, my cameras are starting to show some buck activity as far as, you know, starting to to fight in some pictures and stuff like that. But I, I haven't yet just based on, I just feel like personally in my area, it's it's not, you know, really keen on right now, but I can definitely see that with this, you know, the colder weather coming in and then, you know, the next week or so really starting to maybe get some light running in and, and hitting the rattling horns. But, you know, Anything, you know, is capable of happening in the next couple of weeks and deer really start to start getting on fire. So,
2: Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in West Virginia?
5: In the next week or so, I, I look forward to definitely be probably around a seven um, in West Virginia as far as really heating up. Um, and then, you know, I think you're really going to start to see some mature deer start to get on their feet towards the end of the month.
2: All right, Trey, well, good luck to you and the other hunters at 304 Outdoors. Thanks for joining me.
5: I appreciate it, Spencer. Thanks for getting a hold of me. All
2: right, and joining us on the line next is Kevin Vistison from Deer Hunter Podcast in Michigan. Now, Kevin, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10?
6: 1 to 10, I'm going to go right down the middle and go 5. This week might be one of the more difficult weeks of hunting that'll you know, that we'll encounter all season. Uh, essentially the deer are out of their summer patterns and they're just settling in, you know, small game hunters have been in the woods now for a couple of weeks as well as archery and, uh, the deer are starting to get bumped around. They're out of their summer patterns. They're starting to move into their rut phase. They will, uh, you know, probably not do a lot of daylight moving um, here in the next week or two until the rut, you know, starts going and some does start coming into asterisk. And uh, then I think people will be able to start capitalizing on some some daylight movement.
2: Now, I know you've been hunting northern Michigan as well as southern Michigan lately. Uh, How have those two areas been different for you when it comes to seeing buck movement or or what you think the rut stage is in those areas?
6: I think the biggest thing is the food sources. Southern Michigan, I mean, the food sources are similar, but northern Michigan, they're just stretched out over a a larger area. And um, obviously all properties are vastly different and that has to be taken into account a piece of managed land with food plots is going to hunt a lot different than a um state forest that you're competing with uh pressure and other hunters but oaks a ton of acorns on the ground this season more than i remember seeing um in any recent history um clear cuts that were done in this past winter or this early spring I've noticed are still green and holding leaves whereas clear cuts that are two or three or you know more years older the leaves have already begin to go yellow brown and in some instances fallen off so those clear cuts that were done this previous season definitely have increased the deer activity uh, where those older cuts the deer are off of them and they're already they're on acorns and other browse, um, versus down here in Southern Michigan, the food sources can be, um, still just a lot of stuff is green. They're natural forage as well as, you know, any food plots that were done for fall hunting are, uh, you know, as good as they're going to get really all season the deer on those, um, they're tearing the corn Uh, Down that's not picked yet, and then the stuff that is picked, they're in those fields that night uh, on on the stuff that was left over from the combine.
2: Are you finding a lot of sign making in the woods right now, as far as rubs and scrapes go?
6: Yeah, scrapes are. I mean, every day now they're popping up more and more. I checked some trail cameras this morning, and uh, just in route to two cameras, I think I came across six grapes, and we had some rain and wind here yesterday, so I honestly wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, even all six of them were done just last night. We've had cold temperatures. Um, a lot of leaves are starting to fall. Uh, I haven't had the opportunity to put these SD cards in and look at them yet, but uh, I assume that I'm going to see increased activity, and I know just going off the number of photos that were on the cards that, uh, you know, it's it's a sizable more amount than the last time I pulled cards back in beginning of September. So
2: now you probably have some of the more pressured deer in the country there in Michigan. What are your calling strategies when it comes to this time of year, as we even get into the rut, will you call to those bucks or do you find that typically has a negative reaction?
6: Uh, rattling the snort wheezing, the real aggressive, loud calling, um, all that I've ever seen happen from that is deer run the opposite direction. But if you can, and uh, I spend a lot of time in the woods, so I hear a lot of deer grunting. And I'll say even from northern Michigan to southern Michigan, the way the deer talk to each other sounds just a little bit different. And if you can identify that, one way I do this is I run trail cameras on video mode. So with sound. So I actually get a lot of data of deer talking to each other and through a couple different calls that I use, I'm able to mimic that fairly well. And I'll just use real subtle recreations of the sounds that I hear of these bucks, essentially when they are, uh, you know, in pursuit of a doe, whether, you know, I guess I'll identify it as a, a tending grunt, uh, some just short, uh, subtle grunts when a buck is in pursuit of, a a doe and I've had great success with that over the course of the last 10 years. Uh, I've probably killed a half dozen bucks in that manner by replicating that sound and actually, you know, bringing even blind calling, uh, just having deer come in to investigate, and uh, I've passed a lot of year-and-a-half-old bucks doing that, but every now and then a, a nice two-and-a-half-year-old or three-and-a-half will come in to investigate, and that's been a, a, a great, um, th- that's the only way I've ever been effective to call and kill deer here in
2: my state. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Michigan?
6: I would say that it's going to start to increase provided that people are conscious of how intrusive they're being with their properties and the places they hunt. Um, These deer are moving at night every night right now. So if you're don't allow them to pattern you before you pattern them and they, they do that pretty quickly. If you go to a tree stand one or two times, I'm pretty confident that those deer will come across that scent and they will ID where you are. Um, You have to be on your toes. Um, And if you're doing that, if you're not letting them get ahead of you and you're staying ahead of them, then I would say over the course of the next week, things are going to, you know, increase where we'll be getting into the sixes and the sevens. And by Halloween, um, you know, from Halloween to essentially November 25th, um, you know, that whole beginning, latter part of November is, uh, is just gold. So,
2: all right, Kevin, well, good luck in Michigan. And thank you for joining me. Thanks Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of wired to haunts Rot radio. Thank you to Todd, Clay, Trey, and Kevin for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. As always, make sure you're following Wired Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow me, Spencer Newharth, and my blog, Rutfresh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. The next time I talk to you guys, we are going to be in the October 20s, and I am really excited to finally get some reports where people are talking about seeking and chasing and pre-rut and just anything that has the word rut involved because we are pulling up on the best time of the year. Until then, stay wired to haunt.